I'm just noticing on the YouTube it said error occurred. So, um... I'm seeing us live. Oh, so. Excellent, good. Again, it's yeah. just my computer. Every time. <laughs> I actually, I, welcome to the Gundam Explained podcast show live. Uh, but really, right before we went on, I was explaining to Stephen about my computer blue screened. Right before. And, and this show has been known to have those technical difficulties, which is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. And I think, though, after all this time, a couple of years, I'm starting to think maybe it's just OBS and I need to, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure uh, it out. I, I think it's definitely just you and I in general, because I mean, that's true. Like, honestly, this was a much smoother start than yesterday's show. Oh, where that's I, right. I mean, I I had my uh, mason jar full of water and just yeeted it across. The, the that, that's if you guys haven't watched that, you know, now I'm introducing Steven, but if you guys haven't watched, check out yesterday's show. That was pretty funny. He had a planned thing at the beginning and it went all wrong, but that's what kind of makes these fun yeah you know it, and it would have been fine i think if i hadn't hit like the go live right as it happened because <laughs> then yeah. it's like how do you do it <laughs> like i know well, it's just i i loved i love that setup i love it well but it's funny because it reminds me of maybe when you're going on a date with someone sometimes oh, yeah. it's like when you're nervous you just go to a movie dinner but it's it's more interesting if something happens you know like yeah yeah, and if it rains on you guys or something yeah, exactly um, so let's see what happens here hopefully it doesn't rain on my equipment or almost it flooded that one time well <laughs> now anyway anyway yeah welcome to the podcast um yeah the gundam explain show we'll be talking about gundam that's kind of what we do here but sometimes we don't so that's not 100 accurate um a lot of times video games movies news whatever yeah. um but yeah so uh for today's episode we're going to talk about a bunch of things but one main topic in particular is you know the robot spirits blue destiny stuff i've been covering on my channel uh but they're coming out with a, a newer uh action figure uh so we'll get to that here shortly it's of a character from blue destiny um sweet and then you know there's not much else i know that uh some other there's not much in terms of news, really, when it comes to Gundam, although they did announce Singapore is going to get the theatrical release of uh, Seed, what is it called? Uh, Freedom. Seed Freedom. Uh, actually, did you hear the news, and I'm not sure if we covered this yet, there there are Steam pre-orders for uh, Gundam Breaker 4? Oh, but it, it, like on Steam right now, you can pre-order it? Or yeah, wish, wish listed or whatever like the oh, terminology. Okay, I'm, glad I'm, you I'm not Steam guy. I'm, no, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I actually wanted to touch on that real quick. The thing is, though, uh, what I and maybe this is how it goes, but there's no physical pre-order for the Steam version, which, sure, I get it. But, you know, this time, though, you, you it comes with, you know, the Gumpla. Right. So how do you? So I'm wondering. So I would get it on Steam, but I think I'm going to have to pre-order the special edition on, like, PlayStation or Switch and then get um the digital code on steam it, yeah. but it's like on one hand i would be like ah oh, i want to be able to buy a physical one on steam but on the other hand it's like i get it by now with the pc gaming side of things i don't think there would be a, a good enough roi on a physical good for a gundam pc game yeah yeah probably yeah. not and um you know i guess it kind of begs the question like is the epic game store like even i'm is is it financially solvent like you know if if you have games that are being produced in unreal engine 
and they're going to Steam instead of the Epic Game Store. And and we're not, yeah. you know, depending on the studio, right? Like, it makes sense. Like, I'm sure a lot of indie guys would rather go Steam than, than Epic. But, like, for a company like Bandai and the the devs i think what which which company is is developing uh gb4 well yeah it's it's a team within the bandai namco like because they have these different teams that i'm not sure it's not like a a third party or an outside okay so it's not like art dink or one of those oh right yeah studio yeah actually i see what you're talking about yeah let me see if i can look that up but Um, yeah i mean it's just it's surprising to me because typically you would imagine that a larger company would go with the epic game store yeah, so you know it's very interesting what's going on because you know again they could they have the Steam release, they're not having an Xbox release, but they could have an Xbox release that's play anywhere, so then it would be on PC anyway. Right. What they did, you know, and so I, I my thought, okay, so the developer is Crafts and Meister. <laughs> Never heard of them. Not familiar. <laughs> they're pretty much a breaker developer. Um, I guess they're the ones that, that but. You know, it's interesting because I think this game was made right before kind of the first, the first like little bubble burst or crash of the video game industry about a year ago when all these games started getting pushed, like even Zelda being one of them. So this, this game suffered that. So it could have been, it was in development long enough ago that they weren't thinking in terms of like SD Gundam Battle Alliance or even Gundam Evolution, you know. Um, yeah. So that could be what it is. Um, but yeah, the thing with Epic is very interesting because I heard, so for games to be exclusive on Epic, those developers slash publisher will get paid. And so it yeah. works out for them. But Epic actually doesn't make anything off their store. Their store is more of a means to slowly start, you know, getting people in that direction, especially that are doing development and then yeah. and then having Fortnite in there. So there's that crossover of development going into Fortnite, develop something. I think that that's the same sort of uh, model as like Unity, for instance, like the most like Unity makes more money off of people buying Unity assets for game development yeah. than they do off of the game developers themselves. And I think the Epic Game Store is similar where it's like people buying assets to use in Unreal projects earns them more money than actually yeah. making games <laughs> yeah it, it's it's interesting and i so yeah i can plug this on the blue gamer youtube channel i posted a video yesterday where i kind of deep dived into like the industry what's going on especially toxicity online and how it's almost like linked in some way but i really do think right now and i could even include myself even though i say i think i know a lot <laughs> we don't really know what's going on with the industry it, 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 because no. i think it's large enough now that there's pockets of markets that I think it's smarter for publishers, developers to market to instead of trying to get everything. So it's that right now we're at that point where, and I think Helltivers 2 is a good example because that is selling like a mass marketed title, Yeah. you know, even though it's, it wasn't made to be that. So I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things. And actually that's part of what I wanted to talk about next, you know, uh, cause we like to talk about video games here a lot. So we do know, Sony, just had Sony and EA just had some layoffs. So yeah. not only did Sony lay off 900, but they canceled the next Twisted Metal game, among other games. I don't know them all exactly. EA had layoffs and canceled the Respawn first-person shooter Star Wars game, which is crazy because that seemed like a surefire. And look at all the Lucasfilm remasters coming out now, like Dark, Dark Forces. Forces. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, honestly, I a lot of people are viewing the layoffs as like the video game industry being in danger. But, um, you know, in, in your video on uh, on Blue Gamer, like I, I have to say you, you hit the nail on the head is it's these overinflated budgets. And I think yeah. that the reason that the budgets are so high is that you have a lot of people working in the industry that probably shouldn't be. Yeah. And so the overhead is so high because you're paying a bunch of employees to do nothing. And, you know, say what you will about like Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter, the fact that the website's still working after laying off almost all of the staff is evidence that like maybe all of our, I would say that sort of in every industry, companies are over hiring because they're trying to fill seats and not necessarily because there's a demand for the labor that it needs to be done. Exactly. They want to be set up in order to then be able to deliver on multi-million dollar projects, billion dollar projects. And there's no more evidence for that than look at what Nintendo did when they were faced with decisions. Their CEO took a pay cut instead of laying people off. So just that fact alone, and to see how this kind of mirrors what happens in Hollywood, I believe between Hollywood and the video game industry, it's, yeah, executive level people that want that bigger pay for a project, thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, well, then let's just make sure this makes a lot of money. So let's try to make, let's, let's, yeah, let's... uh, inflate our uh income or our paycheck but make sure that the game makes money then or the movie and it doesn't always work that way and 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 that's why i i that's another reason why i think they they do do this is because sometimes sometimes the numbers are there and it's obvious it's like okay we should we don't need to do this to make this game right but it's like they do it anyway and it's then they lose you know it's like the madam web movie like exactly it's like why even make it 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 doesn't make sense someone wanted to get paid and and i bring this up a lot when it comes to like uh video game adaptations and movies and live action adaptations as i'm always like you you really have to at your core say like who is this for like who is the audience for this for this project because if it's fans of the original thing and you're going to implement all these changes in it then the fans of the original thing aren't going to appreciate it and uh if if you're making it for a new audience then they're not going to go back to the old franchise and revisit it so it's like and i always bring up the sonic example because of fat robotnik oh and, yeah. and it, it actually warms my heart a little that that jim carrey was like no i want to be fat robotnik like put yeah. me in a suit kind of thing yeah I love but that. like you know for a kid and those those movies are fantastic like they're kind of an exception to the rule right but yeah. um you know if I were a kid that was just getting into Sonic for the first time through these movies, and then I hop in and try to play the old Genesis games, I'd be like, who is that guy? Why doesn't he look like Jim Carrey? You know what I mean? So it's like, even, and and that's where it's like, I don't want to get into like the the culture war brain rot type discussion about it. Even just small changes, like visual changes like that. Yeah. They can, they can have a huge impact. Yeah. It's very interesting. And that reminds me of like the halo show. I, uh, I it, because it has some cool action this season. I then with my son, we were watching an episode, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, this is kind of boring." Even the talking, even for me, this is very like boring fluff stuff. Like, I'll fast forward, and we went through two episodes, and there was barely any action. The most action there was was, was in that first episode. <laughs> no, it was it was. I think this was the third episode, but it was. Uh, it, 
Master Chief, but in his yeah. civilian clothing, running around the street shooting. And it just like, okay, is this Halo? And so it's it's those things. Yeah, there's where's like, John Halo? <laughs> it's these interesting decisions that happen, which yeah, sometimes it's like, yeah, uh, it's like, yeah, we were talking earlier how it was a Japanese publisher executive that said, yeah, nowadays the people that are hired for management positions in these developers and publisher studios are people being hired for their executive management and not that they know how to make a game or how games are made. And and not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that because like you definitely need people that have like oh, yeah. delegation skills. skills. Yeah. Um, Simon Sinek talks about this all the time where it's like when you promote within your company, if you promote someone who's really good at doing a job and then they're responsible for people who used to do the dirt that do the job that that person used to do, that doesn't mean that they're qualified to actually manage the people. So they actually need leadership yeah. training in order to be able to, to facilitate people doing stuff. So it's like you, you need a balance of people that like are good people managers. And then you also need talented uh, artists. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just get this bloat of like middle managers that just kind of sit around and don't do anything. Maybe they fill out reports and say like, well, you know, we're, we're halfway through our roadmap that we published on the website, so we must be doing a good job. And it's like, but you didn't do anything. And I think yeah. I mentioned this when I was when I beat Code Fairy. I'm like looking through the credits, and I'm like, there are, I think there were like 25 social media managers associated with just Code Fairy. And I'm like, imagine if they had a staff like like Hell Divers, where it's like, oh yeah, like a limited staff that just is everyone's all hands on the project and not like all of these kind of vacuous roles that don't really contribute to the product being good. Yeah. And because, then he started hiring to then where, where, where gaps would be. They're like, okay. And, yeah. and I think it was like server people. And they were even talking about how they, they were like, Hey, hang tight because as we're hiring these server people, we're also training them in how to use the tools. And it's like, that's cool to be in that transparent and they're working in that direction. A lot of times once a game is, release is like okay now we're doing the layoffs of all the yeah. or whatever but this it was you know they didn't have to and yeah I, yeah i and and so this kind of goes to this other thing you and i have like this passion for video games especially game development you've done a lot of that actually and i think this just gives more room for indie games to shine because like yeah there's so many independently game or just sm small studio made games that get lost easily even if they're really good but i yeah. think what we might see in the next year or two probably even longer than that if if they're canceling games right now that we're going to come out in a year or two i think we're going to give room for the smaller studios to, to stick out yeah and i think like you said um a lot of people are trying to go for mass market and like that's where AAA games get this overinflated budget they get the scope creep the feature creep because they're trying to capture as many dollars as possible because they want to appeal to as many people as possible when the truth is like with hell divers if you target a specific person you're like i'm gonna make a game for this person then everyone who's like that person's going to enjoy that game as opposed to when you try to cram as many features into a game as possible in order to please a lot of people, then you end up taking every individual person that would like a piece of that game, and now they don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Because and it's, it's like, thing. maybe I don't want a crafting system, or I don't want, like... Yeah, a grind know. element. Yeah. And it's the same thing that's going on with Hollywood 
and with those yeah. big movies. It's like they're trying to make that appeal to the log. And and I, that also just it's it's almost like we're proving our points just by bringing up Hollywood and the video game industry. It's yeah. they're they're both going through this, and we're seeing like things like Batgirl getting canceled, even though it's done. The Looney Tunes, the John Cena movie, that sounded awesome, but they canceled that. And and yeah, it, it's yeah, it's very interesting to see it again. It's the economy. This is this bounce back after COVID, but again, it was being irresponsible, low margins in the first place. COVID happens, then after that, they're doubling down, and then again, another. It's you know. Yeah, and I, I hope that there starts to be a similar trend in Hollywood where, you know, they're going to scale down the budgets and try to appeal to specific, you know, like you said, subsets of the market instead of trying to, you know. And I think so, because like A24, I think is a good example of who's kind of leading that in Blumhouse yep. also. Like they're making mm -hmm. these like genre movies are very interesting movies with low budgets, but they end up doing good. And I. Yeah, I think we just need to see a lot more of that. It's it, it and I think we will. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's just a matter to turn around. But and that's part of the thing about like AI tools is I think AI tools kind of they're not going to replace creatives because I don't think that you really can. Um, mm -hmm. And we talked a bit about this yesterday. I think what it does is it democratizes access to to these types of tools and like democratizes the ability for an individual to create on the same scale as like a big studio. Oh, and like, I think it was yesterday when you were talking about CGI being used to fix things, that's kind of like where AI is really going to come in. It's going to help like, you know, sharpen those edges that of, yeah. of like where, okay, we need an AI tool to kind of help process this or that, you know, I, and yeah. Um, but Speaking of video games, the other thing I wanted Ooh, to get yeah. to, I think I I uh, had mentioned I beat Order of Ecclesia, that Castlevania yes. game, and then the Metroid uh, game. I, uh, I've been playing Portrait of Ruin, which was the Castlevania game that came out right before that. It was a DS one. And yeah. that one is, is amazing. It's a lot easier only because, like, playing both of those back-to-back, -back, Order of Ecclesia was really all about the grinding. Like, yeah, I was going to say, so this one's not a grind fest. It's not. It It's more of when you level up, you are just that much more powerful. Like, it almost, it, I appreciate it, because at first I thought, okay, well, this is a little too easy. But I'm like, no, actually, it's being um, respect uh, respectful of my time. I, I Like, where I can, it's a good pace. Like, I would rather spend my time on the bosses than just grinding through the world to be powerful enough to then get, you know, and, um, and again, it's making me think more about when I make my game, you know, what I want it to look like. I like that it's a Metroidvania where you can control two characters at once. So That's like, as you're attacking, the other one's attacking. So you want to give them all the gear you find, but then at any time you could press a button to make it just you or just them. But nice. then also there's a command for them to like wait places or help you push stuff. And I was like, you know what? That's really cool. Like, think of a, a Metroidvania with a party system. You know? Oh, yeah. I, and I think you can, like, there's certain attacks where I have to use one character or another. And I was like, wow, if they can expand on that. What if you had a party of characters, like five, that yeah. you can play a side-scrolling exploration game? You know? Um, That'd be pretty cool. And, uh, like, I'm a big fan of, like, the, the Bioware model, like, um, you know, Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect, where you have, like, maybe... You, you've got like nine characters on your ship that you can choose from, but you can only take two of them with you at any given time. So oh, that way it's like, that is cool. Like, so, never... so it gives you a, an element of like, you know, tactical optimization for whatever task for a mission you're trying or, to do. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, 
never really played the Bioware games much, only because I think they were rooted in RPG. And I do know they got more open with their gameplay later on. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, everyone says good things about Mass Effect, and I have never. It just, I think, and that's the thing. I think I played the demo of one of them once, and I didn't like the controls, but that wasn't the point of the game, right? Because right. it's more about the story. It's just more accessible controls for combat. But yeah, I think, and that that was like. So my wife has two favorite games, Mass Effect oh. 2 and the Resident Evil 2 remake. Well, and Breath of the Wild, I would say. It's not her oh, number wow. three. Good games. But she was like, because Mass Effect 1, the, the combat system is a little bit, it's a little bit uh, clunkier. It's It's got a lot of uh, grind to it. But Mass Effect 2 is pretty much just a shooter with the RPG elements kind oh. of folded in. Wow. So it's like, if I were to recommend one to you, I would say Mass Effect 2 for that reason is I think that you would enjoy the combat in that way more than the first but one. How big of a deal is your saves from the different ones as you're playing? Like, would it be better for me and two, if I had played through one with that save file? Cause I heard they interact. They do carry some things over, but what they end up doing is there's a couple of decisions that they make for you. And then there's other ones oh. that they kind of narratively say like, Hey, uh, during this mission, what can you tell me what happened? And it's like you get to choose which option you would have chosen if you played the, the previous game, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, that's okay. So, yeah, a little bit of that, but nothing, I guess, critical. Yeah, no, you wouldn't be missing much. So then, you know, that begs the question with, you know, circling back to Gundam, is Gundam due for some sort of RPG? You know, because... Right now, currently, I think the games are more based around here's a system or a mechanic that exists in gaming. Let's do a Gundam version of that. Or, you know, there's the Gundam Breaker. But is, right. but what something that is not necessarily about the almost like that old MS Dawn or whatever it was called. It's like it's not about the yeah. combat, but it's about being in the world and the storytelling. Because it reminds me of when I played the that new Robocop game. I don't like those games. Right. But. I like RoboCop, so I felt like I was in that world. And I think I would appreciate a Gundam game if, let's say, yeah, it wasn't about the combat, but that wasn't its point. The point was, here's like an RPG story. Um, I don't know. I, I think that it's possible to to make it work. Um, and I think you could probably get away with doing a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I think that like the 0081 is a good example of that kind of it, it's almost kind of RPG like, and you get that, 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 that same sensation of building your squad and you can like assign That's mobile boots to your, to your, uh, to your wingmen and things like that. Well, yeah, you know, that brings up a good point because that is true. If I think about the Gundam games in general, they really do focus on story anyway, you know, other than Gundam evolution, there's usually <laughs> a, a, a story that the game is taking its time, letting you know, even if I do skip it. In in the other, well, and it helps. You know, part of the problem is that so so few of the games that are story driven in Gundam were never translated into English. Oh, yeah, that's so that's a very good point. Yes, where, yeah, we get a lot of that if you play the SD G Generation Genesis. That's a way to kind of get the story. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes too, when I'm playing a game that if let's say the combat mechanics aren't that great, I think Infinite uh, Wealth that Like a Dragon is a good example where. It's not that it's a bad combat system. It's just it's not I don't have to engage at all times. So I can chill and play. So I think maybe Gundam could use a chill and play game where 
that might be another way to get more people into Gundam. Let's say there's people that would be into model building and Gunpla, you know, but they don't want to learn to fight in, in the game, but they wouldn't mind some turn-based, uh, non-tactical, but more of the JRPG style. Yeah. N yeah. Maybe like even one of these idle RPGs that are so popular right now. I, f I swear, like as I'm scrolling Instagram, I get like 30 ads for new idle RPGs, like for mobile games. I'm like, oh. yeah, because I know the idle thing's pretty, pretty big. Like uh, there's this. I don't understand the appeal. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I don't I don't know where it comes from. There's this, these virtual pet simulators, I think in Roblox, my son plays and then he downloaded a, uh, uh, a auto clicker. So he'll set up the mouse to auto-click so he can train his pets up all the way. It's Oh, that's funny. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, those... Um, yeah, you know what's interesting? Because there's, like, idle games. I've played a couple of them in the past, and they're fun, but then there comes a point to where I feel like it's it's almost like empty calories. Yeah, you know, that's a good way like, of describing it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm getting this intake, but it's I'm not getting a... I don't feel like I'm really being fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't, I, I think there's a big sort of gap in the market for a Gundam video game that isn't competitive. Cause I feel like the most popular Gundam titles right now are Gundam versus and GBO two. And both of those are essentially PVP games. You know what? That's a really good point you bring up that I want to talk about real quick. And I was kind of thinking about this when I did my last blue gamer video, but it's like, GBO2, I think, appears more popular than it is. And I think it's right. because it has that small dedicated following, which almost, you know, even to me sometimes makes like it makes me think if if they wanted to make a a competitive PB, PvP Gundam game, the next one that's gonna be mass appeal, or it it can't really play like GBO2. No. It, even yeah. though it because they're supporting it for so long. They're always. It makes me think. Oh, this is popular. This is what people want. Yeah. But if you look at the numbers, it's not what people want. But then again, I appreciate. It. It's like, wow, that's cool. I'm Bandai to just keep this going because obviously yeah. it's good. You know, like for people like me that I appreciate game mechanics, like that's a good game. And then I was thinking, like with with the the more recent Star Wars Battlefront games, they in some ways dumbed down the games like there's no land to air right know, for instance and um so it makes me think like it, it, yeah if a gundam game was going to if they were going to come out with a pvp mass sort of marketed gundam game which that's what my dream is like a battlefront 2 yeah. i think the combat would be more simplistic i i it might be like why switches your two guns and then left trigger to aim <laughs> exactly pretty much yeah. um and, and then the other thing is you'd have to remove the gotcha element because i think part of what yeah. holds gbo2 back from the sort of mass appeal is that it, it really can't be an esport because nobody has the same roster so like yeah. you know what and that's the thing about like battlefront or you know r.i.p gun evo at least gun evo had a fixed roster of like everyone has access right. to the same things and so when you have a competitive match everyone has the same tools and so you can't say like well you know you only won because you have this suit or you're playing oh, that meta which is you know what much I mean? all gbo2 talk you yeah know? that's <laughs> you know in in a, talos is saying something here i totally agree with how he's saying a pve gbo2 would be more popular Yes. Um, especially co-op and i that i would agree with in that reminds me that was something they added into battlefront 2 they added this four-player co-op where you're 
on the map with, and you have your allies with you, their AI digital, but you feel like you're in the battle. And exactly, damn, that's all. It, and those graphics, and isn't have, that what Helldivers is essentially? Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> Helldivers is taking that formula but making it work today. I guess with the more sensibilities of today with the battle pass and all that. Although I will say, I, the more I'm playing Helldivers, the more I. I'm liking it, but I feel like um, uh, it, it could be this. I don't think they, and I think they've admitted this. They didn't think the battle pass system to the degree of the people playing it because it has very limited stuff and this, the same stuff refreshes. You could buy everything and already be done, but, but that's kind of okay. It's like the gameplay is there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else game-wise because I know I um, I'm still working on that 3DS Gundam game. In fact, I I put that on hold since I beat Order of Ecclesia and started Portrait of Ruin. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got to get back to that. Yeah, and I picked that game up too, and it is absolutely fantastic. I love that thing. Yeah, it's um, it's just it's it's one of those where it, it almost looks like it would be like a good sort of um, skeleton to use in a game dev environment. Like, okay, I want to make a Gundam game here's this sort of base where it's like well-designed models of the mobile suits. The maps are just, you know, clear and the lighting system looks good for, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, um, that's pretty cool. Um, okay. So next up, uh, so there's Gumpla, there's robot spirits, you know, I'm, it's funny how robot spirits aren't really talked about a whole lot other than me. And then, you know, there's a couple others out there, but um, there's a small dedicated, like just fan club of robot spirits, but it's not yeah. widely talked about by content creators. I know. And that's what's weird about it because it, it seems like they're popular enough to keep coming out with obscure stuff. So they just recently did the, you know, the blue destiny. So if you check my videos, you haven't seen yet, I did a review of the blue destiny and the Afrique custom. Uh, but then, and then they have like the other ones coming out, the Blue Destiny Unit 2 and 3. Uh, but then they just announced too, the Yukijima's uh, GM Command from the guinea pig team, which is neat because that's pretty cool. While that is part of, yes, Blue Destiny, you would think the flagship stuff would be, you know, the BD1 to their free. But making that GM Command, um, I think it's pretty cool because I think they already made a GM Command. Um, so it could just be they're reusing it, which is cool. Yeah, probably so. But, but I mean, I don't mind that because it's like they did the same sort of thing with like eight MS team, didn't they? When yeah, yeah. Oh, it was when you yeah when you buy the ground or the yeah the ground Gundam, it came with the sticker to make it um, Shiro's. So then you yeah. would buy another one, so you didn't put the sticker on, and then they. Um, so uh, the other one, um, what was I thinking? There was yeah the Blue Destiny. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm wondering, is there other, other suits from Blue Destiny that would be something unique? So we've got the Ifrit. I don't know if they had any other, like, Xeon suits that were more. Um, I can't think the, off the top of my head. I mean, that that Ifrit custom was definitely the the big one. And the rest uh, were you... Zaku 2s. Or yeah. um, GMs or Zaku. And then I guess you've got the, uh, the BD2 and BD3. Yeah, those are coming out uh, this summer. Yeah, yeah, so. and, and I love that they do this in the Robot Spirits line, where it's like they kind of hammer out one whole sort of story. So, like, 
you know, for a while it was oh, all yeah. eight MS team story story suits, and like now they're going through Blue Destiny. I know. Can you speculate on like what would probably be their next lineup? Uh, you know, so yeah, they got the Zeta coming out. So I think what they're doing is they have like their main line and then sub like right next to it. And so if let's say by the time Zeta starts coming out, they're going to be finishing up Blue Destiny. So alongside Zeta, it might have to be something like uh, 0081 or even... Um, have they already done Rise from the Ashes? Like so that's White a, Bingos? That's a good one because they did the Sniper, but that's it. it. So that would be a good one because they have a new Sniper body. Um, yeah, Johnny, a lot of those are... Pale Rider. Yeah, a lot of the stuff from um, Rise from the Ashes is just recolors anyway. So it's not like there's... Yeah, it would be nice though. And um, yeah, I'd love a Vish Donahue Gelgoog. Like, <laughs> so did you know there's a Shin Matsunaga, um, Zaku, uh, to yeah, uh, robot spirits? It's super expensive. That would be so, yeah, that's kind of where I was getting at. Like, I like the idea of them coming out with like the hero suits because, yeah, um, Tao was talking about Yukijima's Jagan would oh, yeah, would be good because they just came out with a model kit for that. Um, mm. Well, I felt really embarrassed because I wanted to get the Vincent Gleisner um, kit of the Ghiradoga, the, the oh, blue yeah. Ghiradoga that, that that you use in side stories. And someone was like, why don't you just get resins? It's the exact same kit. They come with all the same parts. It's just Impulse. one says Resin Snyder and one says Vincent Gleisner. <laughs> like they're both blue. Oh, really? So yeah. they're the exact same thing. Oh. They might be different shades of blue. But as far as I can tell, like they come with all the same accessories and stuff. So it's like, well, <laughs> oh, okay. save yourself a couple bucks. Don't get the Gleisner one. Just get the. <laughs> the yeah. Resin. yeah, that's actually pretty neat, because sometimes when I'm trying to fill like uh, a collection or a group of things, if they don't have the robot spirits version, I'd want to get the Gumpla, you know, or vice versa. So uh, anyway, excited to see what else they they come out with um, in that line. Um, it's just. It's an expensive line. I feel like it would take years to uh, complete a collection. And then I even look back and I'm like, I don't have room. I... <laughs> yeah. They, they announced a, a P-Bandai one, which was, what was it? It was like the full armor um, Delta or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the Delta Kai. So, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Which is interesting because they, so there's not a Hyakushiki. Yeah. And then they came out with the mass production version, and now they came out with this full armor version. But I just want, I just want the standard Yakushiki. Give me Yakushiki. Um, I, I have the. Um, is it MS in action or that other line? I forget. Which is pretty nice. It's actually. Let me grab it real quick. Is it like the uh, the universe one? Um. Oh, where's the camera? Oh, I love the color on that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It it kind of has that metallic look, but it's not too much. And I love the real tight markings, even like on the the side there. That is okay. an excellent touch. Yeah, it's it's a really really nice one. Um, that's why I haven't like there is a robot spirits version, but it's kind of the older molds. But um, but no, anyway, yeah, I was I was looking at what was on P Bandai and. I always find it interesting how much F90 stuff they push. It's like, I know. it's like, we get it. You guys like F90. What is F90? You know, <laughs> Right. Um, but 
I will say they look cool. And then there's this F90 N type, um, which I haven't set up my screen to share. So sorry, everyone. The, there's this F90 N type that looks fantastic. It, it looks like a cool looking Gundam and it has a, a flight mode. Now, is this the whole the whole Gundam or is it just one of the packs? Because I know like it's all the whole one. It's actually, yeah, it's a master grade. Um, okay. N type. Which is the first time I heard of an N type. Oh, they, they have like the whole alphabet for the F90. There's like the oh, A pack, really? B pack, C pack. So yeah, if they've I... got an N type, then oh, man. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this one has a flight mode, and I love that stuff. So, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I might pick it up. $62, though. That's kind of mm -hmm. high up there for. Eh, that's around. Oh, it actually has fin funnels, too. That's <laughs> weird. I might yeah. have to. Too bad I'm not sharing my screen, or am I? Let me check. I mean the oh. uh, the F ninety does have a kind of cool design. I like the um, I what is it like the F ninety two? It's not F ninety two. It's like F ninety space two. That's like the purple body instead of the blue. Oh, that's right. I have seen that. They even have like the mobile suit ensemble versions. Okay, I just shared to you, Stephen, so you should be able to see. Um, yeah. Uh, but like, it looks cool. This has like. It, it like looks like a UC Gundam, but like future enough. If we're trying to think, you know, post CCA. Um, um, let's see. Yeah, probably a couple meters shorter than your standard Gundam. Yeah. Um, uh, Johnny Tacoma is asking me in chat, "What do I think of the Zeta 2? I'm I'm a fan uh, of the Z two, the one that um, Travis Kirkland was a pilot of. Let Let me pull that up. This one right here? That's the one, yeah. I mean, yeah, that looks pretty cool. sweet looking. Uh, I mean, that is what the full armor Zeta should look like to me. But, like, if you look at, like, the full armor Zeta, it's just kind of goofy looking. It's like, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Because I know I've seen, like, the... Oh, wow. That looks... Yeah, that, that looks to me more like Chobum armor. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that does look like... That is pretty cool, though. Like, that's super obscure. Oh, yeah. Right? Those are some deep cuts. <laughs> There's not even like a... Uh... And see, that looks like the Z2, even though this is in the... Huh. I wonder if sometimes it gets confused. Uh, or people get confused by... the. Yeah, it looks like Choban armor. That looks great. That would be a great kit. I can't believe... It doesn't exist. Although, what is going on with Zeta? Because uh, it's not even in the roster for um, uh, Gun and Breaker 4, right? I mean, is it not in the roster? Or is it just not one of the pre-order sort of benefits? I'm sure I, they're not going to exclude the Zeta from the roster, I'm sure. Unless someone was, unless I saw a truncated list, because I remember looking at a list that was showing all the mainline series and each one from the main line and it skipped zeta it went from um mobile suit gundam to double zeta i think that'd be wild oh, i mean i'd, right. I'd cancel my pre-order the mark ii is available at the start okay cool cool which i really like that but i think that's uh okay yeah talus is saying it is in the roster but it's just the mark ii is available yeah start. yeah yeah because that's i do find like, that kind of annoying sometimes where um you only get the Titans version of the Mark II. 
so like i think in in gbo2 yeah you only get the titans version you can recolor it into au colors but i feel like they're slightly different because the au one does not use the vulcan pod oh so is that the difference because okay so that's interesting that vulcan pod Sometimes I don't know if it should be on or not because like, it's like, I don't remember seeing it, but then I see shots where it has it. So like the master grade comes with it. Um, uh, yeah. Even my robot spirits one, but I never leave them on, but yeah. What would be the difference between the two? It, and that would seem like, I know I'm asking a lot of questions. That would seem like it would be an obvious one in GBO two to have like an AU version. And maybe it has a different loadout something yeah i mean i because I, I love when you have variants of a mobile suit that have different roles like so like you have the zeta which is a general and then you have the hyper mega launcher zeta that's oh. a support yeah so it's like how cool would it be if the titans mark ii was a raid but the au mark ii was a general or something like that yeah that makes sense i mean they do have like the super gundam version right with the right which yeah. maybe that's what they were going for but and yeah, I think it's the same thing in the uh, in Gundam versus like the uh, the the one that you and I oh yeah played that's like because you can you can play as the Mark II as I think like Emma or Camille or mm -hmm. even Jared, but it's only the Titans one. Yeah, and then they have the Super Gundam, but like not the AU Mark II. So it's almost like behind the scenes, Bandai has established the differences standard. Mark II's Titans colors, and if it's AU, gets a Super Gundam. Pretty much, it's, it's okay. like which it's not bad. I mean, I have my I have a Verka Mark II, um, Robot Spirits with the Super Gundam pack on it, like <laughs> nice. set up. So maybe that's just, huh? Yeah, that's the default. I mean, I just the Mark II is a great suit. Um, and then Talos is saying in Gundam versus the AU Mark II actually has the option to unequip the Defender while in game. Yeah, that that's right. I think that's Tyler pretty cool. Me that the ability to like purge it that, that's that's pretty yeah. sweet. I like that. Yeah, no, I, I do too. Um, no, it's very cool. Um, all right, well, uh, yeah, we're at two forty-two, and you know what? I ran out of topics unless we can come up with something real quicker. <laughs> Anyone in chat wants to <laughs> bring up something? Just been kind of a yeah slow Gundam uh, time. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot something. I was supposed to start the show. With the voice acting of Garrett from After War, and I totally forgot. I forgot to do the research. Yeah, that's what I. You mean. know, it's yeah. funny. I was actually, uh, as part of a project that I'm working on, I was watching some some Gundam X, and I was like, I'm not even sure I could do that voice. Like it's, um, because I was trying to kind of practice it, and I was like, you know what, I I think that this is just coming off as me pretending to speak Japanese yes. without knowing what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly, because it's the, the the consonant vowel sort of structure to where it's just you're kind of yelling. It's almost like you're trying to yell in that pitch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that would probably be an impossible task. Maybe that's why I didn't didn't get to it. But, you know, and then um, I think Robert brought something up earlier, which we could, you know, speaking of voices and stuff, it's interesting that what's cool in um the Gunnerbreaker 4, they're going to have the English dub going on, which is pretty neat. So I was yeah. I was talking to Ultronimus about this because at first on Twitter, I responded to that and I was like, hey, I would love if Keith Silverstein reprised his role as Char slash Quattro slash Full Frontal. But then I thought about it and I was like, wait a second. 
there are no Gundam characters in Gundam Breaker. Right. Yeah. It, it's only going to be like build okay. characters. Okay. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, uh, like everyone's getting excited. Like, oh man, we're going to get to hear Judo's voice and we're going to get to hear so-and-so's voice. And I'm like, I don't think we are because it's a breaker yeah, game. It's you're not exactly right. Wow. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah. It, it, it seems like it's going to be. So that's the thing. This is something I don't know if in Gundam Breaker 1, 2, and 3, there were consistent characters like that. I don't know. Like in 3, I think I made a character anyway. Yeah. So I wonder if this is taken after the Gundam Breaker mobile where it's like a real, like maybe story driven with these characters. Or what if they are starting, they're going to change it around and maybe do it where on the battlefield when you're fighting, they're going to make it where it's being piloted by characters from that universe. Um, that would be kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah, because that's a really good point. I did not even think about that. But yeah, I mean, how many years can you be in high school in these Gundam Breaker <laughs> games? Like eventually you have to yeah. graduate and go to Gundam Breaker College. <laughs> so unless what they're saying is it's it has an English dub, but... It's not like any, any sort of uh, oh GB. Okay, Gunner Breaker Four is taking place beyond Battlelog and Mobile, the recent OVA. So yeah, it must be completely d new, different characters where they didn't have to like worry about it matching any type of voice or script or anything. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're getting characters from even the short anime. So okay, so maybe get some characters from that. So that that's probably what makes that doable. Right, yeah. That explains a lot more now because this game was delayed and Battlelog came out with just like four episodes last year just, and there was nothing supporting it. And I think this is what it was supposed to coincide with. Yeah. It reminds and I me wonder if those those kits that came out for Battlelog were supposed to be associated with GB4. Yeah. And so now they have this new strike custom that honestly... That that's the best thing to have come out. Yeah, as part of this is the pre-order kit because that I thing is sweet. Uh, it looks so nineties. But <laughs> yeah, that, so that's interesting. Then um, about about it would be cool. Yeah, let's see how this turns out. I'm hoping this does something with Gundam. Um, I'm just really looking forward more to what they're doing the Requiem for Vengeance because that's Unreal Engine five. Like I feel like by now soon, d d is it? The announcement of Gundam Breaker 4 will then kind of delay any further announcements, but I believe, so there's going to be a network test coming soon, and then I believe the game's probably going to come out in August. That just seems like the right time frame for all this. So does that mean they're not going to announce anything until then, or I would think they would at least announce some series or show to come out in the summer or movie? Um, I would hope so. You know, uh, we might get the surprise Hathaway 2 drop. <laughs> I know, right? I, I and, and that's another thing. I wonder if with how how well uh, this Seed Freedom is doing, that might make them think about their plans, maybe delay, push a bit. You know, since now they're doing that screening or the, in Singapore, who knows if they decide to do that in the US, it seems like uh, that would be a thing. Um, and I wonder yeah. if they're going to try to, Focus on that while GBO4 then gets released. And then so anything else Gundam would be after that. Because there was that rumor that it wasn't confirmed, but Requiem for Vengeance would be October. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't found any other confirmation of that besides just the, I think it was like in some random article that, yeah. that someone linked to you. Yeah. Um, but that would be pretty sweet. And since it's in, in in Unreal, 
it would be kind of cool if you got the Requiem for Vengeance suits in Gundam Breaker 4, even though yeah. they don't necessarily fit the art style. I mean, just retexture them, just like, you know, yeah, I'm give sure them that they'll... cartoony look and then plug them in. I feel like they have to, because I, I think Gundam is always, the Gundam games have always been good about DLC, whether you yeah. like to pay for it or not. I think they've always been good about releasing things like even... SD Gundam uh, Battle Alliance. It had like the Hathaway suits come out near the end, and then the bonus switch for Mercury DLC, which wasn't originally planned. Right. And then they added that in. So, um, uh, yeah, it would be really cool for for and that. See, that's something with Gundam Breaker Four. When, uh, oh yeah, and I oh, this is something I meant to talk about at the beginning of the show, and I totally forgot. So there we go. It always comes back to video games. It does. <laughs> it does. So I heard this through watching other YouTubers, you know, Talos has been covering this also and Red with Vion, but in the Gunderbreaker 4 game, it works where if you mash a single button multiple times, it reduces the impact. So the game is teaching you to do different attacks. So that is what of... I was hoping to get out of a game, you know, yeah. like this. So that actually sounds more promising to me where the game is building more of an interchangeable combo based system, which you know, I like that as a mechanic because, you know, in in tabletop, I always love um, diminishing returns. So, like, for instance, the more often or like the higher skill you get at something in a tabletop game, it's always nice if it becomes harder to level that skill up because you have yeah. gotten to a point where you're kind of at the peak of it. I wish that it were a more positive spin. I think I've talked about there's a couple of um, video game YouTubers that I follow that talk about ways like different mechanics in order to train the player to play the way you want them to. And if you punish a player for not playing the way you want, they want you to, which is what this kind of sounds like. It's not as fun as if you reward them for playing the way you want them to. That's so a like really good point. Yeah. The, We've the, talked the, about the, that. Yeah. That's I yeah. Feel like it's one of your tenets of game design. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's it's a philosophy that you appreciate well because you're such a positive guy like you Oh know, yeah. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. Right. It, it's honey and vinegar over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh but yeah, um you know, like Doom, they they reward you with health for going in for the melee yeah. kills, right? So like I think that if you had either maybe you had a higher percentage of getting break parts when you switch up your combo attacks, as opposed to getting diminishing damage, you know, you can, it, it trains you to fight harder and get more tactical with your approach without punishing you for not doing that. And I wonder how much maybe what they said is the, the translation. So maybe when we play, we realize there is more of a positive output, you know, to that, but yeah, it, you know, it's reminding me of yeah Castlevania and Dark Souls when I'm leveling and sometimes I'm maxing a certain stat and it gets to a point to where it takes more XP to max that yeah. stat. But if that's the only barrier, a lot of times there's a way where you can farm XP. Um, exactly. So it, I like the idea, though, of like, OK, you're just maxing strength. But hey, if you start working on intelligence, too, you can add some magic buffs to your strength. I don't know. Like, I feel like those systems could work better with each other just in terms of games that I play. Like I feel like Castlevania and souls have like the same leveling system. And while some things work together, it just really dependent on the weapon, but it would be really neat if they really made it. And you know, I think thinking about it, like Elden ring does a good job of that. 
where you can start maxing certain things for certain weapons. But a lot of times then in those games, you're then just focused on that and you can't really change your gameplay up too much unless you decide to go off the track and then start grinding to, you know, like there needs to be a, a more cohesive way to introduce trying different mechanics while you can experiment with using mechanics together. Um, I see what you're saying. And and that's something that like, you know, a lot of games tend to be grindy because they assume that you're trying to level up all of your stats where I think oh, yeah. what would be a more fun and engaging way of designing a game would be to say, you know, maybe you have certain types of character builds you can do like you, like you do in a souls game or like an Elden ring and doing the bare minimum, you can max out one skill, but you're only going to be able to max out that one. So it's not that you're grinding to max out one skill. You're getting just the bare minimum to get that one to do everything else. You're not going to have the ability to do that just playing the game. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like that would be a way of encouraging replays because then it's like, well, now I want to go back and play it, but like with this build, but I don't feel like I have to grind to get that build. It's just, I'm going to enjoy the game. Oh, playing that way, playing that build. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and so I feel like that is uh, probably the good base to work off of and then try to figure out how to mold the systems to then, sort of take advantage of that more you know in, 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 like sometimes you, you don't know if something is an easy button or not like how some games are like yeah you can go in and undo all your stat points and change them <laughs> to something else and then sometimes like okay is that like an easy mode for me or is that no that's just a way to enjoy the game a different way but then yeah again i always feel like i think there's room for games to evolve the xp point stat system whereas i think most games do it the same and yeah. I think I've seen the most variety from board games you've brought up where I'm like, wait a minute, they could just do that in a video game, you know? And yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to see some of those systems adapted into a video game. Well, you know, in, here, here's an example, because what if you're playing a game and one of the functions is you have to roll a dice first before you could play, but your dice, maybe you can level up its turn speed. It's weight, how far you can throw it. You know, what if, there's ways you can manipulate the system that dictates how battles turn out, you know? And I'm, yeah, I'm just using the dice as an example. It wouldn't be literally that, but like, what if as you're playing a game, you can wear certain clothing or drink certain potions that then will aid in leveling specific things. And yeah. it's like, and maybe there, you can only use them a few times, you know? And so Skyrim does this, right? Where it's like, in order to level up certain skills, you have to actually use that skill, right? Oh, so yeah. it's like, the more often yeah. you use your sword, the better you get like with you your sword. You jump all the time. You become a good yeah. jumper. And so people can kind of spam the system that way. Yeah. So one of the tabletop mechanics that I came up with is that you only gain XP in a skill when you fail rolls in that skill. So imagine if in Skyrim, you only got better at using your sword when you miss leveling up early game is going to be super easy because you're going to be missing a lot. But then as you get to late game and you've gotten so good that like you're hitting constantly, it becomes much harder to level up because you get this diminishing return on how often you're going to be missing with your. That's, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah, because 
yeah, that might make you think about, well, and it's, it's part of the learning then. Like if you're having to learn how to use a certain weapon and at first you're not going to be that good at it, but maybe you're then by trying it out and doing bad at it, you're making it more powerful. Like, let's say that is the stat. It just levels up how powerful it is. So if you're really good with a weapon, it doesn't matter how powerful you are. It's yeah. like a Souls game. I like I like where you're going with this. There's, yeah, there's and you know what? It's a good lesson for it's a good life lesson because I think any skill that you try to pick up, you're gonna suck at it at first. Like everyone who tries to draw, like you suck at drawing, oh, yeah. you're gonna do stick figures. But you have to kind of fight through the suck in order to get better. Yeah, and I feel like that's almost like a built-in sort of uh, difficulty system for people that are just really good at those games are really bad. You know, and it, it almost almost kind of goes in line with that thing you told me about in Tears of the Kingdom, where it's seeing what level of enemy you've defeated. So as you travel, it's different enemies. And I, I, that could probably play a part. Um, it, it reminded me of like Bloodborne, because Bloodborne, until you get killed, you don't go to the level up area. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a neat thing, too. Um, I, I thought that that was a brilliant way of teaching you that like, you're supposed to fail in order to like get better. I want to keep this in mind when we're talking about games, we want to make where we can implement this system. That is, it's almost like creating a dynamic difficulty, but also it tunes to people's play style, you know, like, um, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Well, okay. So I think that's it for, uh, today's episode. This was great. I like, there was that scare at the beginning, like all, everything was going (laughs) to fail, but no, it was all good. And, uh, uh, had good discussion despite limited news. You know, a lot of times you're just talking about uh, freedom over and over until <laughs> until Breaker comes out, and then we'll talk about that over and over. Yeah, there um, you go. But, yeah, if you guys haven't, uh, check the links in the description for, uh, like, Steven's show. If you haven't watched it yesterday, we had a lot of fun there. That was good. Yeah. Um, Where we had physical difficulties instead of technical ones. Oh, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to watch that beginning part to see what happened. And then the cat just came to say hi. Uh, but, um, <laughs> all right, so... Yeah, that just about does it. So everyone have a good weekend, have a good week, and we will talk later. Cheers.